0: Good morning, Waypoint. <laughs> Got this wonderful T-shirt last week from some Waypoint members who moved to Florida, the Mullis family. So I want to thank the Mullis family for this. If you if you can't read it for whatever reason, it says, "Open your Bibles if you have one too." And so today, I want you to open up, and it on the back says, "Waypoint Church." Uh, so uh, I had thought about wearing it, but. I'll share, share it with you instead. So open up your Bibles, if you have one, to Romans chapter 12. And as you do that, let me welcome those of you who are uh, streaming online wherever you are, whether it be Florida, maybe the Molasses. you are the home of Waypoint, Florida. Who wants to be the campus pastor there? Yeah. Also, to our extended family in Iola, Waypoint Iola, you have some extra folks with you uh, this morning. We have a team, 19 high school students, as well as eight adult student leaders, and they are in Iola. And so they, yeah, that's exciting. Three people are excited their kids are gone. <laughs> yes, they're in another state, Kansas. So I know that it's exciting. I've seen pictures, painting, and they're doing all kinds of things around the campus there in Iola. And students, I want to remind you that you are not there only to serve your Waypoint family, but also to worship with them. And so I expect that you will do that with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I know that it will be a great encouragement to them this morning. How many of you... Have ever done the hokey pokey? Not that you wanted to really admit it in <laughs> church, but you remember we, you know, when the skating or whatever, we did the hokey pokey, right? You, you put your right hand in or you put your left elbow in and out and then you shake it all about, right? And that was always the fun time. But no matter how many parts you put in and out, what did you always eventually come to? What, what was the last culminating thing? You, you put your whole self in, right? You put your whole self out. You put your whole self in, and you just shake it all about. Well, but today, well, this is really strange, but we're going to look at the gospel hokey-pokey verses. <laughs> yeah. I made that up. I, I know it's hard to believe. It's but But this is, these verses are, are put your whole self in. And it starts with one word, therefore. It is a hinge word. You could separate, you could divide all of the book of Romans really into two sections. And the first 11 chapters are about the gospel, what we believe. And the last five chapters, really 12 through 16, really about how we behave. It is orthodoxy, but the last part is orthopraxy. It does not matter what you believe if it does not affect how you behave. The Christian life isn't just about the noggin. It's not just about your brain. It's not just principles that you believe. It is to translate in such a way that it changes you and how you live. So our beliefs lead into a, a new life, a new behavior. And Paul wants us to get this. He has gone deep into our beliefs. Right? We have gone deep. We have waded deep into what the what the really the Christian beliefs are all about. What salvation is. What the gospel is. And now he's going to say, as people who believe this, as people who have experienced grace, as people who have experienced the mercy and the kindness and the love of God, this is how people who have experienced that, this is how they live. And he says, therefore, in light of all that I have said, there. This is how God expects, demands, and commands that we are to live. So let's read these verses. We're just going to look at two of them. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We're just going to look at the first two verses. And I could preach seven hours just on these two, but I'll keep it to five. (laughs) Therefore... There's the hinge. What's it there for? In light of all that I have said, I urge you. What are some of your Bibles say? Urge. What was that? Appeal. Yes. I'm getting old. I can't hear very well. I urge. I appeal. I beseech He's, he uses this word numerous times, not only in Romans, but throughout his right. I beseech, it is pericleo, and, and it means to come alongside and to encourage, to beg, to plead. This is not recommendation. This is not, hey, this would be kind of nice. If you're a Bible scholar, you know that the, the word for Holy Spirit in the Scripture is paraclete. It is the one who comes along. He is the one who encourages us. He comforts us. He, he, he is beside us. He is along with us. He's the one that speaks to us. He is the one that holds us. He, it's the paraclete. This is paracleo, the one who comes. I am begging you. I am come alongside of you, and I am exhorting you. I am beseeching you. This is something he is saying. I... As your brother in Christ, I beg you. Now, this is a very humble thing, right? This, this is the Apostle Paul saying, I'm begging you. I, I, I cannot any more strongly encourage you. Who? Brothers and sisters, these are to people who have said... We believe what you have just written in the previous 11 chapters. We are believers. We are followers of Christ. And he says, I recognize that. And because of that, I am begging you to do what? In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, the Romans, uh, Roman Christians would have been a little bit taken back by this. And the reason is that they had grown up in the Greek world, being taught more of a dualism. And the dualism was the body was bad and the spirit was good. All that God really wants is spirit. body's going to do what the body does. And that's just the way it is. Don't worry about the body. Make sure that you take care of your spirit. Make sure that God has your spirit. And now Paul is saying, listen, that's, that's not true at all. God wants all of you. So I want... I am begging you, I am exhorting you, I am beseeching you, present, offer your body to God. And then he says, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then... Then, that's the result, that is the equal sign, right? This plus this plus this equals, then this is what you will get. This will be the result, and what is that? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. I can't tell you the number of times people have said, Pastor Bob, how, how do you discover God's will? How do I get in on God's will? Well, there, there are things that God says, this is what you need to do, and it will be revealed. It will be the natural result. What we want to do is, God, you reveal what your will is for me, and then I'll decide whether or not I want to do it. And God says, if you're not totally sold out and committed to doing it, you're probably not even going to know it because I'm not going to reveal it until these other things. Your part first. And then he says, This is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Last time I checked, you can't improve on perfect. Do you know God's will for you? It's good. It is good. Not easy. Nowhere in the Bible says, you know what, God's will is so easy for you. If you just get in on it, it's just so easy. But what do we Americans want? We want easy. doesn't say it's going to be easy. doesn't say it's going to be entertaining. Doesn't say it's always gonna go exactly the way you feel like it should, but he says it's good. But not only is it good, it's pleasing and it's perfect. Let me ask you, do you want in on God's will for your life? We, we, we like the last part of that, right? Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. We, we, we want that. But what we ignore oftentimes is our part. And that's what we're gonna look at. God says, I have a will for your life, I have a plan for your life, I have a purpose for your life. And if you wanna get in on it, it's gonna require one big thing, and that is total commitment. Total commitment. Let me ask you, does that characterize your walk with Christ? Total commitment. Matter of fact, would it, would people around you, the people you work with, the people that you live with, would they say, man, he or she totally committed to Christ, totally committed, I mean, sold out, would would that be the characterization? You say, well, depends on what total commitment, what what are you really talking about? Maybe you've heard this story, I heard it years and years and years ago, I think probably my dad uh, told it in a sermon I've never forgotten, it's about the, the pig and the chicken walking down the road, so it's obviously a very true story pig and the chicken walking down the road, they see a little sign up on a church that says, help us serve the poor. And the chicken says to the pig, you know what, we should, we should help serve the poor. Why don't we provide breakfast? And, and I'll provide the eggs and you provide the ham. <laughs> the pig said, no way, no way. And the chicken said, well, why not? He said, because your part is just a contribution. My part is total commitment. Don't you get the feeling that most of us as believers, most of us as followers of Christ, we only think that Jesus wants a contribution from us, right? Total commitment is showing up two out of four Sundays. I mean, what more could Jesus ask for? It's giving 10% of what I make to God. It's serving in a role or a capacity here at church, and, and if you're really, you know, way out there, you do all three, you might as well go to seminary and be a preacher. <laughs> and yet, that's really not the standard for total commitment, is it? The standard for total commitment when it comes to Christianity, it, it, the bar has been set so low. But what Paul is going to do for us is he's going to reestablish where the bar really is. The bar of total commitment is not here. The bar for the Christians in the church in Rome and the Christians in St. Charles, in Iola, and everywhere around the world today, it's exactly the same. It is total, complete, full commitment to the ways into the word of God. And what he's going to do is very, it's really very simple. I mean, this, the outline is so simple. It's almost, you know, embarrassing. It's not hard whatsoever. And yet it's not easy to do. So let's look at this. What does it, look like? What is involved in total commitment to Jesus Christ? He says, first of all, total commitment to Jesus involves a presentation. I urge you, therefore, in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That word offer means to submit, or to present, or to give over, or to surrender for the specific purpose of someone else. He says, I. I want you, I urge you, turn it over. Surrender it. Give it up. Present. Offer. That's what this all what is it we are to present? What is it that we are to offer to God? It's plain. No trick question. Our bodies. God wants this thing. I mean, this thing's failing, this thing that has aches and pains, this thing that's. Can't hold hair. I mean, God, God, God wants this thing. Well, he's not just talking. Yes, that's part of it. But what he's talking about is everything that the body encapsulates as well. It is the mind. It is the heart. It is the will. It is the attitude. It is the future. It, it, it is everything. That's what he's saying. Submit everything. Everything that is in your body. In a, in a certain sense, whatever has your body has you. Whatever has your body has you. He says, submit all of that to God. Now, we don't really understand this unless we understand the metaphor, especially in the day and age. They would have gotten this no problem. We don't live in the day of sacrifices. And I'm totally thankful for that. I mean, blood makes me a little squeezy because I wouldn't be a very good priest whatsoever. But he is making the metaphor of that because they saw. The idea is a worshiper would come to the temple bringing an animal sacrifice and offer that animal sacrifice, place it into the hands of the priest... And it would be a whole burnt offering. It's It's not the sin offering. That represented Christ, right? That represented what Jesus was gonna do on our behalf. That represented his blood covering our sin and cleansing us and forgiving us and making us clean and perfect. This is the whole burnt offering. And this would be burnt as a whole. And this would be representative of that person. And so that person would give that bull or that lamb or that sheep, or if they weren't very well off, that maybe a turtle dove, and it would represent them. The priest would take that, drain the blood of it, and place all of it on the altar. And what the symbolism was this, the worshiper was saying, God, this represents me. This animal, this sacrifice represents me. It's all of it, all for you, all of me for all of you, all for all of me, all for you. All. There were no partial sacrifices. You know, today, I think I will give the beak of the bird. I think I'll give the leg of the sheep today. Hold back. No, no, there, there were no partial. It was a whole burnt offering. It was a submission of everything they are. And so it was the worshiper saying, in light of what you have done for me, in light that You you have forgiven me. In light of the fact that you have chosen me, in light of all that you have done in saving me, preserving me, welcoming me, and also gonna bring me home to eternity, in light of that, I give all of me to all of you. That's what Paul is saying. Now, there are maybe today a better picture for us, baptism, right? We're not just baptized with Christ. We are baptized into Christ. One of the things we do is we baptize a whole person, right? Have you ever seen anybody stick something out of the water? Oh, I'm a, all of it, but this. <laughs> you ever seen somebody just hold their wallet? You know, baptize, just keep that out of the water. No, no, of course not. But how many of us know Or maybe we have been the, we've done that. Spiritually speaking, we've held something out of the water. We didn't allow our time to be baptized. We didn't allow our relationships to be baptized. We didn't allow our jobs to be baptized. We didn't allow our money to be baptized. We kept that out of the water and said, listen, I don't want to baptize that into Christ. And that's not being a whole sacrifice. We are all, all of us, Right? Our, our total, our mind, our heart, everything is baptized into Christ, for Christ. Now, with this, there, there are a couple of major differences between Old Testament sacrifices and this sacrifice that Paul says that we are to do. First of all, the, the first major is that because of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, no animal and no priest is necessary, He says, present yourself unto God. You know what that means? You are both priest and sacrifice on the altar. You're both. You're both the sacrifice and the sacrificer. You're both the offering and the offerer. You no longer need to go-between. You no longer bring an animal into the temple so that the priest could go in on your behalf. You can, because of Christ, go straight to God and present yourself. You place yourself on that spiritual altar. All of me offer you. And that it's an awesome thing. You are the offering and the offer. You're a priest. We are part of the royal priesthood of God. But as a priest, we are to present ourselves, all of ourselves, all for him. But the second difference is that we are a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they never had living sacrifices, they were dead sacrifices. That's what happens when you kill something, it gets dead. <laughs> and so the priest would take and slit his throat and drain out the blood and put it up on the altar. And you know what would happen? It'd never get off the altar. Not one time did a dead sacrifice, say, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm done. Not one time. You know the problem with a living sacrifice? It can move. All right? See, what God wants us to do as a priest and as an offering is to willingly and voluntarily stay on the altar as a sacrifice with with gratitude and with joy, and with, we we stay on that all for us, all for him. But we stay, and we do that because we want to, not because we're tied down. You realize that God will never strap you to His altar and say, "Listen, you are going to be a living sacrifice." And I, I, I'm gonna, now He will He will help you. Have you ever helped your children? I always told our kids, you know, we can do some high encouragement, we can do some low encouragement. (laughs) They're both encouragement, right? Now, there's encouragement from God to be the living sacrifice, and we'll get to that at the end. But it's still encouragement. But he's not gonna tie you down. He's not gonna strap you down. This is a cooperation with him to be a living sacrifice. The problem is we find ourselves getting off the altar, do we not? Have you ever been just all so fired up for Jesus and then you woke up? (laughs) And the day happened. And before long, you don't even know if you believe in God. You're like, what happened? What Paul is saying here is as a living sacrifice, when you wake up, it is time to repent and get back up on the altar. We keep offering ourselves. In a sense, we re-up every day, every situation, every circumstance. When, when, when we find ourselves and we're like, wait, wait a minute, I'm not on the altar. I'm not living all for me, all for him. Somehow I got off the altar, and I'm doing my own thing, my own way, and it's what do we do? We say, well, I guess I'll just keep on going. No, we repent, and we're able to re-up. We're able to get back up on that altar and say, oh, God, I am so sorry. That is my bad. I acknowledge, I repent, I turn, and I'm getting back on this altar. Some of you today, that's what you need to do. You need to get back on. The, it's not that you're lost. It's not that you're not a Christian. It's just that you're off the altar. And God's not going to strap you down. That's not how it works. He says, you get to choose. Will you obey? Will you live all of you and give all of you all for me? Today, some of us, that's what we need to do. We know it. Even as I say these words, your heart beating out of your, you know God is saying, I'm talking to you through Bob. That's what God wants. You know what God really wants from you? It's not money. It's not your time. It's not your talents. It's not your abilities. That's not what God wants from you. What God wants from you is you. He wants all of you. Now, what that means is this. He gets all those other things, right? If he has you, he gets your mind. He gets your talents. He gets your abilities. He gets your relationships. He gets your money. But he's not after those things as if he needs those. What he wants is you. And he wants you to voluntarily lay those down at his feet and say, Listen, Lord, these are yours. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. And stay on the altar. That's the tough thing. Your body is not yours to do whatever you want to with it. I heard one amen. Do we get another? (laughs) Your body doesn't belong to you as a Christian. Now, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. this, This is not for the world. We're not talking to the world. We're not talking to lost people. We're not talking to unbelievers. We're talking to people who have experienced God through his son, Christ, who have grace and mercy and kindness. They've experienced the patience and the love of God. It's those folks. He says, what what, what do you you think? Give your body. Incidentally, I'm not trying to get into off topic here, but incidentally, this has something to do and has a way to speak to the abortion issue, does it not? Because one of the, the great arguments in the abortion argument is, Well, a woman has a right to do whatever she wants to with her own body. Listen, that may be true out there, but that's not true in here. It's not true with born-again believers. It's not true with born-again women. Your body is not your own. It's It's just not. It belongs to the Lord. And so when a Christian woman says, well, I can do what I want to, it's it's my body, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that your body belongs to the Lord. Secondarily, a Christian woman who is pregnant ought not, and I'm just going to say this as lovingly, as humbly as I can, ought not sacrifice an unborn baby for her living body, but ought to live as a living sacrifice for her unborn baby. Not sacrifice it for her body to allow that unborn child to live. So that's our stance if if somehow you d- just didn't catch that you know we are even more than pro life we're pro God who says this is what the word says that's that's our stance. Let me just say and I didn't even mean to get into this I get myself into all kinds of trouble <laughs> Let me just say this. If if you have had an abortion, this this is not pointing at you saying that you're some kind of bad person. You've done something that God could never forgive or you're unlo- no no no. We are no. No, no, no. You have not done anything that God hates you for. You've not done anything that we want to condemn or judge you for. We're just saying, listen, if you stay around here long enough, we'll hit all of our sins. <laughs> right? We get to it all. We're just saying that God says no when it comes to that. And so you, if, if that's been, your you, you are forgiven by God's grace. He loves you, we love you, we're glad. We want you to know that, but we do need to stand for something, which is the word of God. And so there's a total presentation. Why would we do that? Because we have a new master, right? We used to have the old master. Of sin, and we submitted ourselves to sin. He said, Now you have a new master, submit yourself, submit your members of your body, submit all that you are to your new master. That's what he's going. It's, it involves a presentation. Now, let me tell you why most Christians will never have never presented fully and are committed totally to God. Let me just, let me tell you why. It would require them to give up three idols that they love, protect, and nurture every day of their lives. What idols are those that Christians would have? I mean, are you serious? Yes. It would be the idol of comfort. It would be the idol of convenience. And it would be the idol of control. See, when you have total commitment, you give up the idol of comfort. Man, I can't tell you. I I didn't hear an amen in there one time. (laughs) It's always easy amen on the abortion but what am i my god of comfort <laughs> every time you say no to god every time you hold back from him anything that you say i will not submit to I, I would almost guarantee one of these three idols if not all of them are involved comfort convenience and control i will not give these up what do you mean i gotta be at church It's not convenient. If if you had a service on Tuesday at 3 o'clock, you know, that that just fits my, my time schedule. That animal on the altar gave up comfort, convenience, and control, right? Matter of fact, it was taken away from it. God says... Will you voluntarily give up your comfort, your convenience, and your control so that I can have all of you all for me? Most of us in this room will not do that. Doesn't mean we're not Christian. That doesn't mean we're not, we don't love Jesus. It just means we won't be totally committed. He's asking too much. And what I'm saying is, you don't get the last of the verse, the revelation of God's will, if you don't do the first part of the verse. Totally commit and put yourself on the altar. All, f- all of you, all for him. And no matter how much you beg for the will of God to be revealed, you're not going to get it. Because he's not going to reveal his will to somebody who's not surrendered their life. Why would he give you his will for your life if you won't give your life to him? His will is not a buffet. Well, I'll take one of those and I'll take the great spouse and the wonderful job and the missionary to Africa. No, no, I don't think so. Or whatever. It's getting quiet in here. Now, why would we do this? Our motivation is the mercy of God in light of what he's done for us. It's not out of guilt. Don't hear me trying to guilt you. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll get the point. It's not guilt. It's gratitude in light of what he's done for us, in light of the kindness, in light of the grace, in light of the love, in light of the Holy Spirit, in light of the word of God, in light of the promise of eternity, in light of all of those things, and much, much more. Why wouldn't we? It is out of gratitude, not out of guilt. It is not like, oh, man. I'm on the sacrifice. No. No. Why, because his will for me is perfect anyway. And if I've given up comfort, convenience and control, doesn't matter. It's only when I have those as my idols, right? That's when I say, have a nice day God. What does this presentation produce? When I am totally committed and I fully present myself all that I am, all for him, it produces worship. This presentation is the foundation of all worship. God doesn't want your song. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want somehow your... A song offered up without a surrendered heart doesn't want it. It's not as if God's like, Man, I just just really need my people to, to sing to me today. What he wants is a collaboration of his people with hearts fully open to him to sing of salvation, of gospel, of joy, of hope, of life. He wants that, and he knows it's not for him as much as it's for us. You realize just because you present worship doesn't mean he accepts it. Not every sacrifice was accepted. God's like, no, you didn't give that with a surrendered heart. Try again next time. How many times have we come to church and we presented and we offered worship, we offered a song, we offered money, we offered a service, and God's like, you are half-hearted at best. When you get up on the altar and say all of me, all for you, and then you sing, and then you give, and then you serve, then we can talk. But most of the time it's just a charade that God's like, "I, I don't have time for that. Now, you're not going to hear that very many places, because what that does, most people don't want to come back. Well, that's the way you're going to be. That's the way he is. That's not the way I am. I wish I was more like that. I wish I could say, talk to the hand. <laughs> I don't care what you think. That's just not my nature. But God says, listen, if you're not going to do things my way, it's over. It's over. You can show up here every Sunday until the cows come home, but it's not going to matter because it's the foundation of worship is the presentation of all that you are. That's where you start. And if you don't give that, there's no worship. Now, we better move on or else we're never going to remember that five-hour thing. <laughs> Total commitment to Jesus Christ involves a presentation. It demands a separation. Christianity is a battleground, not a playground, right? Right? We have three main enemies, the flesh, the devil, and the world. He brings up one of them right here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. He's not talking about creation. He's talking about, the word is eon. He's talking about the age. It's talking about the philosophy and the beliefs of this world that tried to conform you, not into the image of God, but into the image of Satan. Really, remember that Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Uh, Satan, who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe he's the God of this world. He has a pattern. Matter of fact, do not conform to the pattern pattern is scheme. It is the scheme of Satan to conform people's minds and hearts and lives to reflect him, not reflect the glory of our God. So he says, do not conform. It is an outside. It's like jello in a form. You pour that jello in there, that jello has, it has no choice, right? It will mold into whatever that is. It will be shaped into that mold. He says, don't allow yourself, don't pour yourself into the mold of the world. Don't be conformed. Don't think like the world because at the end, when you think like the world, when you act like the world, when you live for the world, when you're conformed to the image of the world, you're actually conformed to the image of Satan. Think about that for a moment. You can be a believer living off of the altar, allowing yourself to be conformed like the world, and you look more like the devil than you do like your are God. That's pretty... Tough to think about, isn't it? He says, don't allow that to happen. Do you know the average adult spends 12 hours online every day, the average teenager, nine hours, and the average kid, eight to 12, six hours daily online? I would dare say not much of that has anything to do with God. Matter of fact, the average adult, teenager, and child spends next to nothing in terms of time, in prayer, Bible study, and in the presence of God. There should be no question as to why the lives of the people in church look so much like the lives of the people outside church because we think and act just like them. Now again, you didn't come here to tell me how wonderful you are. Tell you what God says about us, and I'm included in this. He says, there demands a separation. Do not love the world. Here's the warning. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, in the eon, in the scheme, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Every commercial. Every advertisement really aims at these three things, like lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's the obsession to feel, hedonism. It is the obsession to have, materialism. It is the obsession to be. It's egotism. It's self-centeredness. Every advertisement is about self, status, and salary. Self, status, and salary. Or sex, status, and self. You get what I'm saying. A lot of S's in there. Right? I mean, think about all the advertisements. It's driving you to sex, salary, or status. And that is being conformed to the image of our enemy, the devil. That's why Jesus says you are in the world, but you are not to be of the world. We are in this creation, but we are not to think like, act like, be conformed to the same. So what proactive steps are you taking to not conform? What proactive steps? It won't happen unintentionally. It won't happen accidentally. It won't happen like, oh man, man, I look like Jesus. It will require you to not conform. But there's another part. The third part here, total commitment to Christ, reveals a transformation. So the negative is don't conform. But the positive is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformed is being changed from the outside, but transformed is being from the inside. It is the word metamorphosis. I don't have to explain to most of you, metamorphosis is the difference between a tadpole and a frog. It's the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. I mean, if you didn't know what was up, if you didn't know that that happened? If you, if you just look at a, you know, really in the pond, a tail with a big head and it's swimming around, and you said, in four weeks, that thing's gonna have legs and jump four feet away. You'd say, you'd never come up with that. Or that caterpillar on asphalt. <laughs> you never seen so many legs go crazy, right? I mean, but you'd never look at a butterfly and say, yeah, you know, in a few weeks, that's what, now." no, no. It, you would just, just never come up with that. And yet, that's what God says he does. You, you, you give me you, and I'll do drastic things in you. Do you realize when that caterpillar is in the cocoon, it's not like rearranging itself and reading manuals on how, you know best butterfly life, you know how to live the best butterfly life, now, or manual on flying, or, you know, no. It is releasing enzymes, and it turns into soup, and then antennas and wings and stuff of a butterfly, and then it eats its way out, and it it flies. Without any coaching, without any coercion, it flies. And God says, you think that's something? You give me you, and I'll take gospel enzymes, and, and, and I'll... I'll do a metamorphosis. I'll do a work in, in you and through you and on you that people are and they're like, that ain't the same person. <laughs> that, that just ain't the first. No possible way. They, they won't believe it. The problem is many of us, we don't want to live a butterfly life. We like to just kind of hang out with the caterpillars. Right? And God says, you're right. You're, you are missing out. You are missing out. So when we present and when we refuse to conform, there, there happen, is a transformation, and it's in the mind, right? It's the battle of the mind. So it's the world or the word. God works primarily through his word. And so renewing a mind is a deliberate effort, not something that's just going to happen. It's a constant battle. Listen, some of you are 75. I know. I know. Because I've had people cut and say, listen, when is this sin thing ever gonna leave? Because I still have, you know, thoughts and I it just doesn't. Satan and sin never let you go. It is a constant battle. And then it's a supernatural work. God does it, but he does it in cooperation with his Holy Spirit in you. That's why you have to present yourself, and you have to stay on. By his grace, by his power, he He provides all that you need to stay on that altar to be a living sacrifice, but you have to choose to stay on it. Lastly, total commitment to Jesus Christ produces a revelation. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Presentation plus separation plus transformation equals revelation. Revelation. Presentation plus separation plus transformation equals revelation. But before God is gonna reveal his will to your life, you have to submit your life to his will. And that's where many of us have the challenges, right? C- could we be honest for just like two seconds? How many of you would say, lately, maybe not today, I have been off the altar. I've been living off the altar. Maybe you didn't realize it. Man, we got a good crowd here. Only like three or four of you was even a... The rest of you are like, no, mm-mm. That's why we know that God's will is not a roadmap, it's a relationship. It's not about a plan, it's about a person. When you submit yourself to a person, the person of Jesus Christ, he reveals his plan. So it starts with the person presenting myself to the person, and then the revelation of his will comes. So much more to be said, but that's, that's plenty, I think, to digest, to think about. Ephesians says, be careful, then, how you live. Why? not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is." Be careful how you live, why? Because God's will is revealed as you live, it, 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 it's right there. And as you live wisely, his will is revealed to you. If you live unwisely, it's gonna be like, I, I just feel like I'm in the dark. Yeah, because you're off the reservation. Get back on the altar repent, you're going to find that he's going to be doing renewing and transforming, and then he's going to be doing the revealing. Now, it's not, it's not always easy how God reveals. Let me wrap up this message. I was reading something somewhere, and there are all kinds of birds that do all kinds of things, but there's this one bird <laughs> that builds a nest, and it, it, it really tries to get the birds out, As quickly as it can. Fly, little birdie fly. That's what some of us parents are doing, right? Get out of the nest. Not me. Not me. Other parents. (laughs) But this bird literally, I mean it it, and and almost always there's one in the nest that won't leave. No matter how much she tries and tries to get that bird out of the nest, it will not leave. And you know what this, this bird does? It begins to pull the nest apart with the bird in it. <laughs> it just pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it, pulls it. Can you imagine the conversation? Mom, what are you doing? I'm taking the nest apart. Whoa, why are you doing that? I put it here. I can take it out. <laughs> right? And before long, that baby bird's in midair. It begins to flap its arms, flap its arms. It begins, and can't you see that baby bird look? Mom, look, mom, look, look, mom, I'm flying. She said, of course. But you would have never flown had I not taken away the nest. You have a heavenly father who knows you and he has a good pleasing and perfect will for you and sometimes what he has to do is just pull that nest right out from under you so that you'll begin to flap those wings look god look i know i know because i made you i made you to fly That's really what he wants for us. He's not mean, he's not mad at it. What he wants is for us to fly. But if we're gonna get that, we have to get up on that altar and say, all of me, all for you. All of me, all for you. Father, I pray that today, that that would be our prayer. Lord, this is one of those messages that could be taken in all kinds of ways. And I would just ask that by your Holy Spirit, no one would feel picked on by me, would certainly not feel bullied into doing anything or thinking in any way. Lord, I pray that they would hear your word, hear what you command and what you demand for those That you have poured out your gospel, that you have given your son, that you have spilt his blood, that you have been patient, that you have blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And now in light of that, we would be people who say, how could I not give all of me all for you? May it be so, Lord, of us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name.